welcome to Unprofessional, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. I am... No, that's a different show. <laughs> oh. I am, it's, ru- it's ruined. Fuck. I am Dave Wiskus, joined by my friend and yours, Ms. Jamie Newberry. Hello, hello. Did I do that? Because I, that at the last second, I, I, I caught myself. I'm thinking Ms., Miss, Miss... It's not Mrs. You're not married, right? No, I'm not. It's just... Was, just- just mz, mz, like an mz is great so how about that did <laughs> i may have just offended a bunch of people i i really think i think we'll be all right here okay i do i think we're gonna be all right we'll get oh. through it all right well if, if i get traffic. any letters <laughs> <laughs> let's generate some controversy i don't want to be a producer here but, but um <laughs> i think you're doing your job if you offend some people all right uh, it's I true feel about you have that. a fine point uh, speaking of of well, speaking, the uh, the other voice you're hearing right now, the return, the triumphant return of Sean Nelson. Welcome back. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Hello. Live via satellite. <laughs> and by here, by here, I mean in my apartment. The best place to be when you're so on a nice. podcast. So nice to be here. You're well. You're you're here uh, in your apartment. I'm not also in your apartment, but in your apartment no. in in Seattle, right? That's right. So you guys are both West Coast. We're both West Coast. I am in Las Vegas, Nevada right now. Well, that's where my home oh. is. So, yeah. I'm nowhere so near I was either there of you. For, uh, I was there for Christmas. That's oh. the right way to spend Christmas right there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have friends, family here? No. Or just, I just out kind of wanted to. I just wanted to. My wife and I wanted to kind of just not be anywhere for Christmas. That's awesome. I that's like the right it. way to do we it. We went to the place that is the, the least somewhere that we could think of. <laughs> I've spent Christmases in Las Vegas. When I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. Me too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I oh, was, yeah, uh, Jamie, that's easy for you. I was mm-hmm. under the very foolhardy impression that um, it would be a ghost town and that no one would be there because it's Christmas. And I was very wrong. I, I've been yeah. to Las Vegas several times before, and this was by far the most uh, densely populated trip I have ever Jesus. been on there. At the we risk are. of continuing to offend people, could it be like a, a maybe like a Jewish thing or like a a, a non Christian American sort of thing? Um, it, it appeared there was a, a, um, a very noticeably large uh, international uh, um, contingent. Yeah, that sounds right. So I don't know. I did not. I did not ask about their religious affiliations. But, yeah, um, that's but, that's not what we yeah. ask. But there's no. like we're known for being. <laughs> but open. a lot of them were a lot of them were circumcised. I don't know. If <laughs> don't know. You didn't uh, want to be intentional or mm. <laughs> welcome <laughs> to unprofessional. Unintentional Just wanted to check them out. The worst kind. I love it. <laughs> the unkindest cut. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> speaking of, we were, we were going to find some segue into magic bullets. And if there is one, it's that. That's right. <laughs> well, we were talking briefly. It sounded when we when we started up before we actually officially started the show, it sounded like you were making smoothies. And so that topic came up. Yes. Um, and you brought this up is the one magic of the few bullet. times. One of the few times I'm not making a smoothie is during this podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I re- uh, we received a the gift, the, the really thoughtful gift of a magic bullet, um, and also a soda stream. Um, those were our big Christmas gets this year. Oh, don't and, get me started uh, on soda stream. I know we I've, had a soda stream episode recently. Oh, you did. <laughs> we. Uh, I don't know if you've you've tried this. What I discovered myself accidentally was that if you put something into the water before you soda stream it, you end yeah. up with a mess. Really. 
Yeah, we had a guest that didn't believe that and so tried it at home on air next to his computer. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, Fantastic. He, he, he also made That's good mess. radio. Um, <laughs> well, like what, sort of th- like what sort of foreign object would you put in there? Do you mean like the, the soda syrup that they come with? I don't think I've ever even tried that. I was using bitters, uh, oh, orange, okay. orange bitters, I think. I was thinking like uh, a Tic Tac. <laughs> that's a that's an odd way to go. That's asking for trouble. It is. Um, it is. But Tic Tac infused um, fizzy water is clearly the future. I think we're onto something here. Yep. So how how about though this magic bullet? Are you you're a well, smoothie making machine now that you've you've got this magic bullet? Well, like everyone else, I was pretty transfixed by the infomercial that was on the air about 10 years ago and might still be on the air now. But um, uh, I always wanted one and I would see them in the shop and people would say, no, don't get that. It's really not good. They don't work right or whatever. And so I didn't, but I always secretly longed for one and we received (laughs) one for Christmas gift. And um, I must say that because my blending needs are pretty minimal, I mean, I have not been I haven't been chopping any ice. I have not done anything tricky. It's mostly just been ice cream and fruit. Um, and even then, not at the same time. Um, it's worked wonders. Oh, no, I made guacamole also. Oh, that's a fun one. So so in our household, our big Christmas gift to ourselves, really, we got a Vitamix for, you know, yeah. Yes. So we, we've been that's a That's a serious blender. It's a serious blender. I think you can blend iPhones and stuff. I don't know. What? I didn't try, but... <laughs> That might be a different blender, but I'm just saying it's a serious blender, this Vitamix. But smoothies, I love making smoothies now. I, I make we make like three a day seriously now. Really? Yep. I'm not even joking. Everything's a smoothie. Do you use? I got nothing. Are they fruit, smooth? Fruit. Yep. I'm smooth. No, I mean it's. I don't know. I think they're fun. Have you had any smoothie incidents though, like where oops, the lid wasn't <laughs> on all the way, or no, I don't I'm, know if the magic bullet works that way, but I err on the side of caution. Um, and the magic bullet, the whole design of it is very. It's all very hermetically sealed. Um, I was thinking that, the, that one. The cup is upside down. Sometimes you have to actually shake the physical, the body of the blender because things haven't settled properly. That's as close to an incident as I have come. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I err on the side of caution with things like that, because I just assume I'm not going to do it right. And you're, you're not funny, and nothing about you is attractive, and you'll never, ever make a professional-grade smoothie. Mm, yeah, that's, that's very I have I have quieted that voice for those, <laughs> those few minutes that I have made smoothies. You know, I've experimented with the odd mix that you can buy, but I find that really the, um, because, you know, we're living in an age where improv has become very important um, <laughs> yes. again, or maybe for the first time, uh, you know, I, I've been drawing on my improv background and just putting things in that seem like they might be good. This and lo and like behold, they, they, they generally are. It's true. I'm surprised at the things that you can put in and have something that tastes great. That's well, There's the I juice would, uh, bar craze. There's a juice place uh, right near my apartment that when I look at their list of ingredients of things that you could put into your, your artisanal juice, there are things that I guess I kind of knew were real. <laughs> yeah. Like chard. Like what? Well, kale. I had no idea kale was a thing until about a year and a half ago, and suddenly it's everywhere. 
Yeah, yeah. but you can get kale. like apple juice and kale and alfalfa sprouts and a live and duck. And it's delicious, and Steve. It's just all this weird shit. <laughs> I'm just—I have to say—I'm not at all interested in a savory smoothie. You know, you, I got to tell you though, if you have anything that you put in there, so if you throw in a bunch of spinach and kale, and then you yeah. just toss in like an apple and a couple bananas, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. That's all I've you have heard, to do. I've, I've heard that from people, but those are the same people who tell you that the that beets are delicious, and you know, you, then you eat beets <laughs> and, and you find out that they're not in any way delicious. Yeah. It's like the, it's the sort of punishment food, I, and I haven't, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I, I'm an adult male, and I have like reconciled myself to liking a lot of different vegetables in my life, but those are the things that I don't. I feel like you just <laughs> eat them, chew them up. The roughage it seems like going down. It's really important, but then uh, you know they don't. Uh, it's like I I like them technically because <laughs> I think that's the price of being an adult. <laughs> but uh, you know, like given the choice between that and like a delicious mango papaya orange pineapple affair, maybe a scoop <laughs> of uh, sherbet put put in there. Maybe a I little bit it. of maybe a little bit of vanilla yogurt. Um, that's when that's when it's a, a, a treat. Maybe I could see uh, juice as a way of sneaking kale into my body. Like if kale's really good for me, maybe I would do a juice made with kale. And I did this. There's a juice place right around the corner. I went. And they, it was this thing where they it, it wasn't the ingredients place. <laughs> this is New York. They've got multiple <laughs> juice places. But they, they, it was all pre-bottled house-made juices. Sure, and their sign sure. said that they don't press them on demand because that's more expensive. And so right. I find one that was like apple juice and kale. And I thought, well, if nothing else, this will be good for me. And I, I go to buy it. It was $11 wow, for yep. a small bottle of juice. And I'm thinking, how much would it have cost to have them press it? Yeah. Exactly. At a certain point, is even worth saving the money? Because fuck it. Obviously, I don't care. For Yeah. How many ounces did you get? Was it a good I'm, price per ounce? I don't ounce? know. One. It was tiny. <laughs> it was a tiny bottle of juice. And they said to drink three of these a day. The old one ouncer. Yeah, it was a shot. <laughs> exactly. A tiny, tiny, tiny taste tablespoon. It was one leaf of kale in there. Yeah. Well, that's you know, you want to start small. You don't want to just you don't <laughs> want to rush into in. the roughage. Exactly. You don't, don't want to shock your system. Yeah. Do you, do you find do you guys think that if you eat more of this stuff, it will keep you healthier? I no. suppose. I mean, it seems like that's the that's, that's the, the premise. The but yeah. I, I mean, I I. I've been finding lately that, so my wife has been gone on tour for about six weeks in New Zealand. And I, while she was gone, I find that I just, you know, when, when we're together, she loves to cook. And I like, we do these collaborative things, but she's very much the architect of the meals we have. And they're really amazing. And I, I feel like my game is raised, but when she's gone, I, it doesn't take very long for me to just like re- revert to my classic subsistence yeah. regimen of candy bars you know like and and uh and that because i when i'm picking out food for myself it's always what is the what will take the least amount of time between when i think of it and when i have ingested it in the exact same way and it's uh it's not something i'm proud of at all i think it's i think it's deplorable but it's how it's the, it's the reality so like but I, I never in those situations i never feel like 
I mean, I, I intellectually believe that I'm being unhealthy, but it, it doesn't ever register physically because the pleasure of eating that kind of food is kind of so intense. And I guess it gets rarer and rarer as you get older um, because you have to eat like a grown up. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of pleasure in eating like a grown up as well. But like, I know it's good for me to do that. But, you know, it's like flossing. There's no pleasure in flossing. Um, you know, it's important. And so you have to do it. But like actually doing it is, you know, it's kind of like taking medicine. Mm-hmm. And and just, yeah. Oof. Taking medicine on the other I hand. I don't enjoy taking medicine. See, That's in the medicine. I, I, yeah. I disagree in premise uh, I, in that I disagree about flossing is not pleasure. I like flossing. You do? I like, well, I like the routine of it. And, and maybe that's the key is you do, you floss every day and you get to a point where there's a satisfaction, maybe not pleasure, but it's, there's a satisfaction in having flossed. Yes. It's all about what, which grammatical tense you're thinking. <laughs> I did if you're it. Using the, the, future, the future perfect tense of flossing is a lot better than the present tense, I find. I like the past tense of flossing. To have flossed. I like that. <laughs> I know that I will have flossed eventually. I look forward to it. Yeah. But, for, but it, the thing is, if you wait to floss for too long, you're, it really is just like a total bloodbath. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you wait too long, it's, yeah, it's, it's just no good. Well, no now good. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> From smoothies Also a good smoothie bath. ingredient. Uh, but these well, are things that are supposed to keep you healthy. I was right. just going to say, are you guys staying healthy? I don't know. Oh, actually, I think I'm getting a cold. Mm, no good. I'm not very happy about that. I'm traveling next week. So, I'd, if, you know, all things considered, I would rather have the cold and get it out of the way. Yeah. I'm to the point of a cold where I've got just enough time that if I get really, really sick and then stop being sick, I'll be okay. Traveling. But you would prefer that to, to the, the dread of almost getting a cold, even if you wind up dodging the bullet? Like if you wind up Kinda. not having a cold in a week from now and you're like, oh, my God, I really thought I was going to get a cold. But then you don't. Given the choice, <laughs> you would rather have the cold than gamble. I, have it well, out of the way. There's would, a certainty there. If it's presented as would I rather have a cold than think I'm going to get a cold and definitely not get a cold, I'm going to take definitely not get the cold. All right. But you're going to be, you know, you're just going to be consumed by that dread. See, that's you're not going to be able to enjoy anything. I, I, I always am. I always cold. am. Yeah. I would rather yep. have the cold and get it out of the way and know that it wasn't going to come while I was while I was traveling. Every so. time I fly, every time I'm on my way to the airport, I think I'm going to get sick. Is my throat a little sore. <laughs> Shit. And then the first day or so of my trip is sort of ruined by my paranoia about how sick I'm going to spend the rest of my trip being. Well, I mean, maybe maybe the problem doesn't lie with your um, physical health. That's entirely but rather with your, um, <laughs> your, your state of um, dread that you live in all the time. Right. But, you know, you can become, you can become friendly with your dread, I've found. <laughs> <laughs> Take preemptive sick days, Dave. Yeah. What do you do on a sick day? How do you spend a sick day as an adult? Well, yeah. you just, you know, stay in bed and watch, you know, One Life to Live. Is that even on? I don't even know if that's on TV anymore. But yeah, that was my memory of sick days was watching television and uh, drinking ginger ale. That was the that was the treatment for all sickness in my family. Did it work? I don't. I mean, I'm 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 here. I'm still uh, (laughs) at at the risk of quoting Elton John. I'm still standing. But um, 
I don't think it, I mean, I don't think it cures necessarily anything, but I, you know, probably ginger is good for you. Uh, that's another thing. I will, I will drink ginger infused beverages, but you know, probably the sugar and now the corn syrup in, in ginger ale nowadays, probably not going to help you very much. But you could get artisanal ginger beer, and maybe that will do the trick. <laughs> you could do like ginger, ginger and kale. Ale. Ginger yeah, kale. Exactly. Oh, ginger kale. Good job. Good job. Good, you did it. Good, uh, good drag names also. <laughs> that. <laughs> if you're if you're a drag queen in Brooklyn, that's perfect. Yeah. I just looked. One Life to Live is no longer on the air. It ended in 2012. They tried to bring it back in 2013. It didn't work out, I guess. Oh, it was on. Uh, it was a Hulu show for a while, right? Oh, is that what it was? I think that's. I think that's was true. It? I did not watch uh-huh. it. I was thinking the other day about um, soap operas in the 80s and how um, there was uh, General Hospital was this incredible craze among all, every my mother yeah uh, i remember my mother had a big family Fox. they were catholics she had six siblings and at a certain point after my parents split up we went to live with my grandparents and all the you know there were still tons of her siblings were living in the house and everybody kind of was everybody was they were all good people but they were all you know too many people in too small a space and uh the one thing that united all of them was this obsessive love of the Luke and Laura plotline on um, on General Hospital, and what I thought was, on reflection, what's strange about that is that it's a romance that began with uh, Luke being hired to kidnap and rape her. That's not something that you would see probably on TV shows now. Right. But it's I, been a while. I haven't seen. I have not seen a soap opera on daytime TV for a long time. That's some dark shit, Maybe. man. Yeah, it is. Serious. Yeah, it was really dark. Serious but, drama. But it was not, uh, but it was not like, um, it was not presented as anything other than like this sort of, you know, kooky. That's how they met. <laughs> that's not even like HBO dark. That's just, let's try to pretend that that's not how we introduce this character. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty, it's, I would say that that sort of, um, that mo- that model of storytelling might be obsolete. That well, trope. It it it's almost exactly the same story as how they brought Elmo onto Sesame Street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I never watched General Hospital as a kid. My mom was really big into As the World Turns. That's the one my um, mom watched. Also, I think that's the one. I don't know if yeah. I remember exactly, but there was that, and I remember. Um, oh boy. There was another. I, I can't even think of the names of them anymore. There were a few, though. There was one that um, Princess Buttercup was in. Do you remember Princess Buttercup? <laughs> That's who she'll always be. She was. She was from a movie. She was in a movie. She was in the the Princess Bride. Princess Buttercup. Oh, Robin yes. Wright. Yes, Robin Wright. Thank Before you. Before she was Robin Wright Penn. Yep, exactly. Anyway, she was in one of those soap operas way back, way back. I've, my, my recollection of um, that period of time was that peri- people were um, really uh, loyal to a certain network. A certain one, yeah. Yeah, like my, my, we were an ABC soap operas family, and the whole cycle would go on, beginning with Ryan's Hope in the morning and ending with, God, I don't know, The Edge of Night, maybe? Something it's- like that, but then... Um, yeah, I might be. I might with... be dating myself. <laughs> um, no, did it follow up with nobody else is going to date shows? Um, <laughs> yeah, there would be news, and then you would have your uh, you would have your Beautiful evening game shows. 
Yeah. yeah. You would Santa maybe have Barbara. some Santa Barbara. That's that was close. NBC, as All I recall. Right. That's and we lived, I, we, I grew up not far from Santa Barbara, and I think that had no effect on really anything. <laughs> You're correct, it was NBC. Ran from 84 to 93. It's funny, it's very rare you find days. somebody who can I'm... associate the show and the network with soap operas. I just, I only do that, well, I don't know if I only do it with soap operas, but I, I, um, I was one of those uh, kids who was really, like, I spent so much time I don't know if it's like this now for children. I bet it isn't. But like television, I I was immersed in TV. Uh, I knew basically whatever you could possibly know as a, you know, as a civilian about (laughs) television programming and all of that stuff. Um, It was kind of alarming. It made my parents really, uh, I think, I mean, I was obsessive, the kind of obsession that you mistake for passion before you have experienced passion. (laughs) <laughs> that was you and TV. Actually, that I was, was the same way TV. with TV. I was really big into Nick at Night because I, I felt like I'd missed the best eras uh, of yeah. television. The first Absolutely. time, first time uh, I ever went to Burbank, I was I think seven or eight years old, and my mom and her boyfriend were driving me through through Burbank, and I was so excited because I thought that meant we could go watch them tape Laugh In. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had no yeah. idea, no idea how that really worked. Only if you can get that DeLorean up to 88 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't occur to me that they weren't still making that show. Same thing with the monkeys. Same thing. Like, at, at one point when I was a kid, I remember I was watching Family Ties. And I was trying to figure out how I could hear other people laughing. Right. <laughs> track. And I remember nice. getting really close to my TV and like clapping near it, thinking, well, now can they hear me? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that was my childhood, right there. That is a that is a whole other level of lonely obsession of TV <laughs> kids. But I but I was I mean it was something that it was like it's sad in hundreds of ways, but it also was like that was one of the identities that was available to me growing up in suburban, you know, like the suburbs of LA. Um, and I had a couple of friends. This is like this would be preteen era like junior high is when this was its most intense it's interesting to reflect now because we were sort i think i feel like we were self-conscious enough to believe that we were sort of aestheticizing the gesture of like being really into tv like there was some self-awareness of it and with the nick and night stuff all the like the, the old shows the brady bunch in particular i remember but definitely the monkeys that was a that was yeah, a huge um like groundbreaking uh you know that that was that uh, that really lit the fuse of an obsession in my life that actually even continues to this day. But um, I just remember us, like, we would never have had a language for it, but there was some kind of awareness we had that um, that there was something about our interest in that stuff that was not, it wasn't just the thing itself. I, I mean, it was also just the thing itself, but whatever comforts are available from you know, sitcoms or whatever, that's, that was definitely part of it. But there was something because the, the people around us would have said, Oh, that's dumb or that's corny, or they probably would have said that's gay, but, um, (laughs) uh, and they may well have been right, but, um, it it was, it felt, it felt like we had like just a couple of friends of mine in particular that, I don't know, it, it seemed like we were on to something. And then by the time the nineties rolled around, I was, 
well well out of there and I, I had gone away to school and um like i guess around 14 15 was when my tv watching pretty much stopped yeah. except for twin peaks um because uh, our the the uh, chaplain at the boarding school I went to used to tape the show for us, and then we would watch it late at night in the dorm. Nice, nice. Was that was exciting. really yeah. That was kind of I think we must be similar in age, but yeah, like it, that was about the only show I watched through my those years. I think yeah. I can't really remember watching much more than that. Yeah, and then by the time I got to college, I was definitely one of those like, oh, I can't believe you're watching television. <laughs> or like, my, I don't my, even own my, a TV. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, that that'll. Uh, I think you might have to pay a nickel for having quoted that line to ASCAP. <laughs> but um, the, like, I one of my best friends who was in. Harvey Danger with me, um, we were so intensely judgmental of everything and like particularly anything that anybody got unreflective joy from that was definitely not okay with us um <laughs> but uh, i remember we went to some party and i don't know i think there was a tv on at the party and and uh and you know i, I don't remember any of the details of the party other than when we left and like l the next day i saw someone and they were like yeah i just thought like who was that guy with you who was just like yelling at the television <laughs> that was uh, that was pretty much what my early 20s was all about nice. i've been i've been going through a personal death of irony like a death of that that feeling that that teenager impulse the teenager like impulse for me to to be upset that other people like things everything yeah. needs to be it needs to be a reference it needs to be an inside joke it needs to be something made for 10 people or i can't like it and it 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 keeps getting stronger and i'm trying to be the kind of person that can just experience joy in my life and not have to to overly criticize it or think too much about it and this started for me i can almost pinpoint the moment i was living with um my old drummer and he had accidentally recorded an episode of the golden girls on his tivo <laughs> right accidentally maybe accidentally, on, on purpose on. so we sat down to watch it thinking like oh this will be hilarious and then i don't know half a season in we we're both like this is a really good show yeah it turns out we just Happy turns out we just in. like it. Like it, it's okay. It's okay to like this. It's an like this weird old sitcom that that people I I don't know if people even think about it anymore. I think it's uh, in fact a fairly trendy thing now, and this is not a, in no way is this a criticism. Um, but I think that there was a little uh, Golden Girls revival in uh, in certain segments of no the idea. populace. D deservedly no so it's a great show yes i think that um, sincerity will be the next big thing um you know I, I everything you're saying is interesting because i have been waiting for that um impulse to die in me um and i guess sometimes it has waned like i definitely don't feel as strongly about you know when a lot of people seem to like say a band that i think is garbage um, i don't mean the band garbage but um <laughs> also a good band but they're fine and you know played with them many times they're very good but um not you know not my cup of tea but whatever that's not important but like when uh, <laughs> when sort of i'm now old enough that i have seen at least three full cycles of like 
a kind of music becoming popular and seeming like everybody just loves that, like all the bands that seem like that kind of music and then it wanes and another one comes up and now it's the new so i and and the the first of those cycles was one that i was kind of uh, i felt very attached to it and so uh, then the second one i was like how dare they and then the third one i was like oh, they just <laughs> they think they <laughs> like this but, but so but but there is still this little weird impulse that i i don't like it um about myself i don't think it's like an admirable trait to like take issue with what brings other people pleasure um culturally or aesthetically but um i can't shut down that voice entirely what i don't do is say it out loud as as much as i used to or you know or you know make it public or or try and like try and do the thing where somebody tells you they like something and you argue with them about why they shouldn't yeah that's a, that's something i feel like i also worked on just to kind of let it go it, it does you know is it worth the conversation or the energy or ah, no. it goes in both yeah. directions your liking or not liking of a, a thing does not diminish my experience in any way right but if you have the if you do if you have the thing of feeling like increasingly alienated by the culture you're in or you feel less and less involved in the world that you maybe used to feel completely part of um and and you know it it it's an interesting phenomenon as you know like getting older and still being kind of in among i don't know the world of popular music or you know uh, popular entertainment um and you find that the way people kind of collectively express themselves that seems like it's changed a lot um and i don't know if it's for the better or the worse or if it even matters which way it is cuz you know like the i think the the worst thing you can ever do like if you ever start a sentence with it was better in my day because dot dot, <laughs> dot like you should absolutely <laughs> stop talking there's a similar thing that happens in technology coming from you know computer world there's yeah there's people who will talk about the, they'll brag about their first computer and the the bragging right. come the bragging rights comes from how old the computer is right like, well i've been doing this since so all right. of you people who you know you got into it when AOL became popular you're still posers yeah sure yeah it's even now there's a there's a movement a growing movement of people who are uh, will post pictures and make fun of people who like on vacation will take pictures with their ipad they right. use the camera because Apple making a device of this size with a camera on it completely okay. People enjoying using that camera somehow ridiculous. Right, <laughs> right. Um, How dare you like something? It's true. It seems funny though to have that. Like I guess it makes a certain amount of sense with um, with the tech stuff because I guess the whole movement has been towards utility for you know for people who don't know how to do anything, um, that they can use things. Um, and for a long time, it was simply not true. Like if you needed any, even the most kind of fundamental, uh, you know, other than just turning a machine on or whatever, you tended to need someone's help. And that person would be the tech person. Um, we were reviled and- as gods. <laughs> Reviled? I meant revered. I think reviled as gods is actually pretty accurate. <laughs> better. Um, like there were certainly tons of 
cool and interesting people who, who were intimately uh, involved in that kind of work. But, um, but you know, like in the office, the tech guy was always the. He was way more like. Uh, you know, the guy, Wayne Knight in Jurassic Park or whatever, the, guy, the kind of like, the, like there's a certain arrogance um, associated with it because it's a, the arrogance, the arrogance that comes with power, you know, um, and for and, a group uh, of people who had up until that point largely been you know, picked on in school and felt they had no power socially. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and they, you know, then found that they were still, you know, like the. You, it's one of the it's one of the really painful truths of getting older that like the thing you're afraid will be true about you your whole life um, is <laughs> almost <laughs> always um, no matter if you like if you were overweight and lost weight or if you were like really lame and then blossomed and like developed cool interests or any of that stuff like you you carry that badge with you somehow in a way that I think people who are authentically cool or authentically thin or whatever, they can just smell it on you. And, uh, and it's a, it's a weird, it's a bummer, but, um, uh, you know, that means that you actually have to find a way to care about yourself. <laughs> yeah, as you describe uh, this, it also occurs to me that the popularization of technology is kind of like a, a long play version of the Stanford prison experiment. <laughs> right. Right. There's, I think there's some degree of that is pretty true. Um, but also they like the, the other big thing about them and it obviously was not, this is a pretty massive generalization, but like the, the number of people who got properly rich based on, you know, like because they actually paid attention and learned, you know, basic, you know, in, in whatever, in 1982, um, that, that was a, like people, I think people who didn't have that aptitude, um, yeah, there was a certain, there was certain, for sure, like a, a degree of jealousy or whatever, but, um, but I think it was more like resentment, um, and sometimes rage. And so like the, the sort of emotional, component of that dynamic didn't actually change that much but yeah now everybody can take pictures with their ipad <laughs> we've we've got we all have magical computers in our pockets with the internet on it i can look up whether or not one life to live is still on the air yeah exactly <laughs> but the you know and i can talk to you um while walking around my apartment and making a smoothie if i wanted to via that's the internet right. that's right but um i I have been thinking a lot about how, um, cause I, I, I have been, I know this is, uh, uncouth to discuss on unprofessional, but, um, I have been kind of desperately needing to find a job lately. Um, and, uh, if anybody's listening, yeah, exactly. I don't know anything about computers. <laughs> um, um, and so I've been at like, it, it has been, I've had, I started kind of, I was able to become a professional and or semi-professional musician in 1998. So that's, this is now 16 years. Um, and then prior to that, well, since then I've had, I've had a couple of day jobs. Um, but before that I was in school and then I had, you know, like I, the thing is I've had to get jobs and I've had them and I've kept them or, you know, walked away from them or whatever off and on intermittently. But, I haven't had to actually go 
look for a job since 1995 is what I figured out. And I don't know how to do it at all. I don't know any of the language for it. And my resume is appalling, I think. But um, I, it, it has made my sort of my general confidence level uh, pretty shaky. Um, I feel like there's a lot of work I could do. But the question everybody asks when I kind of draw them out and tell them I'm looking for a job is they always say, well, what kind of job do you want? And that just seems like, what the hell kind of question is that? I don't want any <laughs> job. That's I, what I was really going to say, I think that's actually the wrong question. I think the, the, the maybe, in my perspective, the better question is, what, what would you enjoy doing? And I don't mean as a job, but I know you're a musician, but like, you know, what would make you happy to do some things? You know, that question is it's such a, like, here, define yourself for me right now. As a person, quickly define yourself. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, it's... It's very hard. I don't... The, the answer is I don't... I think that there are lots of things I could enjoy briefly, you know? Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and exactly. And, and that is it. Like, I still have no idea the answer to that question. I, I don't know that you. I ever will. But, like, figuring it out is part of the fun, too. And like you said, trying things briefly. Like, I've tried a lot of things, you know? And I will continue to do that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll find something that I love and want to do until I die. But um, I mean, I've always loved what I'm doing, but it always slightly morphs year after year after year. Yeah. I'm in the empire business. <laughs> good. It's nice work if you can get it. Just me selling meth. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've, the, the industries that I have worked the most extensively in are the two industries that have been most decimated by the internet, which are um, journalism and music biz. <laughs> yeah. um, so thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've, done, I've done other stuff. I've had like soft corporate jobs and I didn't care for it, but I didn't, it wasn't like anathema to me. It was fine. I just want, I, what I really would be happy with is if someone, which, and it's happened every time I've had to have a job. Um, and so I recognize that I'm very spoiled, but like people came to me and said, Hey, how would you like to do this job? And it happened to coincide with me actually wanting to do something like that. And so I did. Um, but that is the, uh, I mean, the largest goal is just to, you know, be paid for my work and not work for pay. But, um, you know, I also get that that's sort of a, it's a dream scenario and I've had a lot of it and I may have more of it, but you know, right now, um, I really need an actual job, but, um, that was all weirdly by way of saying that I have been made aware of how the constant access to the internet and my, and my phone, um, has made it very difficult for me to only do one thing at a time. Yeah, that's have, that's have true. you considered the possibility of having more than one job? Um, yes. That that I don't know if that makes sense the way that I mean it to make sense. Cuz like mm. what what I do, like I do, you know, I I draw pictures that end up being turned into software and I do this show and I do some writing things and I I feel very fortunate that my life doesn't involve getting up and going to an office. I kind of have like four different jobs. Yeah. I'm kind of the same, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I have. That's basically what my life is like. Um, um, you know, like I, I wind up doing, you know, these odd sort of freelance gigs, um, 
that have to do that tend to have to do with writing um, or performance. Um, weirdly enough, and some of it has been for you know like in corporate uh, environments that I you know wouldn't necessarily I don't still know anything about like entering those worlds. I, people I know who are good at having jobs and getting them are like just go in there and like you know you just you basically just have to tell them the job that you want and they'll make it for you. And and I'm like, I, I, I don't even know how to email them, <laughs> but, um, the, the, you know, I, the, the hustle of doing that kind of life is, is getting to me. And again, it's like, I know that, uh, it's, um, not, it's not the kind of thing that one complains about in polite company, but, this isn't You're, polite company. This is public. <laughs> this is public. unprofessional. Here we, here we are. Yeah. And I, I mean, I am so aware of how lucky I've been. And I also am aware of, like, the things I'm good at and, and all that. But, like, the the not knowing if the next, where you know, where and if the next job is um, has gotten to be more than I feel super comfortable with doing. Um but also I found that it's difficult. It's just become so difficult to um, concentrate because I can always just not concentrate because I have a thing in my pocket that is a little <laughs> gateway to every piece of information that, um, that I might need or any diverting anything. Uh, and I find, like many people, I find that like if I go out to a show or even a movie, it's so frustrating when people have their phone out. And I, I, I have that double consciousness of like look at these assholes with their phones yes. and i like my phone is in my hand it's just in my <laughs> pocket you know but like i have no compunction about you know like i don't know, checking my email while you know of course like when you're waiting in line for something or the or if you're at a show and you do it sort of on the sly I, but at the same time if other people do it in front of me and I can see them. It's very much like the thing you were talking about, like judging other people for having, for you know, for like experiencing joy from things that you don't particularly like. It's sort of, it's sort of like, oh man, I can't believe that person's taking a picture of this band on stage using that filter, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, there I'm with you. I thought you were talking about simply like if you're at lunch with somebody and they take their phone out and they they check twitter or something yeah well i hate that and that that to me I is the worst i, I will do it have done it while you're talking times. to somebody yeah but not like i mean i have done it uh i have i have been busted for doing it by people um, cuz there are still seven or eight people left in the world who <laughs> either don't do it or claim not to do it um, who who like actively take offense at the presence of cell phones and like they, you know, like people, these are people who have held on to their resistance to that like undeniable immutable fact of life in contemporary America. I think um, there's a time and a place, but to me, the biggest problem here is I've, I work from home. I spend most of my time alone when I'm out with other people. If I'm in a social setting, the last thing I want to do is spend more time with my phone. Right. I want to and enjoy yet, that there are people around. But don't you find that the muscle memory 
of oh, your of hand in that shape yeah. and their thumb on the like <laughs> it's very it's weird like you have to really when you find that you have to make a conscious effort not to do it that's when it becomes you know it's like i don't know quitting smoking or something like it it's uh there are times when it is simply not it's not good to do. It's not right to do it. But it's the the problem is it's always possible to do it, and it has, it has, for all of the benefits, it has eroded so many weird little things that I was never aware of before, and that I have you know mostly to do with, mostly to do with single mindedness, and um, and that somehow relates to ambition, and that somehow relates to um, just being. Uh, an, a striving adult person. I think for me, there's a bell curve where if there's, if I'm really uncomfortable or if I'm you know, by myself, I'm feeling lonely or, or whatever, I'm drawn to taking my phone out. And when there are people around, the more comfortable I become with them, the more likely I am to feel okay with like a lull in conversation means we check our email. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like there, there is a comfort when someone else does it, even if it's a great, like, you know, my friend, John, is like one of probably the, my, you know, certainly in the two or three closest friends I've ever had. And he's like, Mr. Twitter and Mr. Like, uh, just like putting himself out in the world in that way. And he has tons of friendships that are forged in that uh, environment. And we went to lunch not too long ago. And, um, and I had my phone in my, you know, like in the pocket of my sweater, like right at my, right at my, uh, my incredibly sculpted hip bone. Um, and, uh, I, you know, we were eating and the restaurant kind of sucked and it was like, we didn't have a ton of time. We were talking and it, I have almost never had a conversation with him that wasn't really engaging and often like some of the most like meaningful and memorable conversations of my life have been with him. And and then he took out his phone and he like sent a text or received, I don't remember. And I had this moment of like, you know, where you have several thoughts at once. And one of them was like, I could identify that as objectionable behavior in the social, like in this social situation. And then the, at the exact same instant, I was like, huh, I wonder if I've gotten any messages. And, you know, like, the, and I took mine and it was, there was a comfort in it. And I didn't feel like he wasn't listening anymore. Although I think technically you can't actually be listening when you're doing that. There's a thing people like to do if you call them on it where they'll repeat back whatever you just said. Right. Which right. is not quite the same thing as having, which is the, it's the, it's like the, uh, the, I'm not touching you defense <laughs> right? <laughs> from your <laughs> older bullying siblings. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not that you don't hear the sounds. It's that you're not, you're sort of not present. Um, but I also know that like the, the mind, the human mind, the human consciousness has actually changed just in like, since the iPhone came out so that you are sort of doing both things and you're sort of doing them probably a little bit less, uh, well, or, in, you know, and you're, you're slightly less engaged in both than you might be if you were just doing those. But, you know, another 10 years, people will be able to talk while composing and have, have there be no, 
you know, it'll, you'll just be using different departments of your brain. Or they're just going to, at birth, sever your corpus callosum so you can be doing literally two <laughs> entirely separate tasks at the same time. Uh, well, there's a good app for that. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts, but it's worth it. It reminds me of what you were saying about ambition a minute ago, the, that, that always multitasking, but never at a hundred percent. Yeah. I kind of feel because I have these different things going on. There are days where I think that socially I might be happier if I had an office that I went to every day. Like if there yeah. were, if I had a day job and I had to get up and I had to go to work every day, I might be mentally, emotionally a happier, healthier person. But I don't know if I am equipped to do that anymore. I don't yeah. know that, that my brain works that way anymore. I have, um, the jobs I've had uh, have been the kind of jobs where you have to go and there's some, there's some flexibility about, you know, it's not like you, I had to punch a clock. It's not like they were, it's not like it was real work. It was just involved (laughs) writing or something, but you know, like uh, either at a newspaper or at the, um, at the, you know, I was editing a website for a while and, but you know, it's both. It's basically journalism or you know, media jobs. But um, I found that the single-minded pursuit of those jobs, which took, you know, to do them well, they requ- it requires all of your energy while you're doing it. Um, I found that those times invariably were the times when my creative life. I don't know if the quality or the productivity. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. If I could measure those, uh, you know, very well, but um, my desire to do it, my desire to write songs or make, you know, films or whatever things that I was doing um, were never higher than when I was in an, a situation where I had to do something else. Yeah. Um, and uh, and since then, you know, my goal was always to be in a situation where I didn't have to have a boss so that I could, you know, really pursue to the fullest my creative life, blah, blah, blah. And I have basically done that. I mean, on paper and I have, I'm proud of what I've done and what I've made, but like many, many more days have I spent and not doing anything, but worrying about why I'm not feeling connected to my you know, like artistic blah, blah, blah. Then have I spent like up at seven, like really working my ass off and, yeah. uh, on, you know, in these sort of self-motivated things. I'm way more, I do things when there are deadlines or when I'm like, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the, uh, you know, like project to project, super into it. But, uh, but when no one's looking, I'm so much more likely to play the fucking backgammon game on my phone for nine hours, you know, like uninterrupted. Nothing changes. It's the same game every time. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I am a pattern seeking mammal. And that is one of those patterns that I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, like this is all a very long way around saying that I, um, I found that it had in some conversation about reading lately. Um, somebody asked me the, what what I what books I had read recently and I was like, yeah, um, huh, hmm, what books have I read? And I hadn't read one in months, and and I realized that I don't. I'm constantly reading captions, and you know, like I, I'm doing four or five things at once. But the unbroken, concentrated time that it takes to read books uh, is 
really hard to carve out now. Um, and so I made a real, uh, I made a concerted effort to start reading books again. That's how I'm going about my job search. So you're a self-starter. I'm a pretty, yeah, I'm a pretty impressive self-starter. <laughs> they, there's that thing they tell you not to, uh, like if you do work from home, they tell you not to have your desk in your bedroom. Yep. Your, your work area and your, your sleep area should be completely separate. Yeah. I, I think that maybe it extends even further. Don't have a desk. Yeah. Don't have a desk at all. <laughs> Stand at your sink. Don't get yeah. out of bed. Never leave. Now, I think it, I think it goes to the extreme of, like, for me, I, I, I totally, totally get what you're saying about when you've got all the time in the world to do creative things, you, you don't do as many creative things. I've always had the illusion when I had normal jobs that if only I could have spent these eight or nine hours today <laughs> working on music or working on writing, right? how much could I have gotten done? The truth is 100% of the time, though, that if given that same eight or nine hours, I don't spend all of it doing these things. I spend half of it just clicking refresh on my email. Yeah, just or, in case. Yeah, or, or reading Twitter or checking Facebook again or, yeah. I don't know, just doing dumb shit. Most of my day is spent doing dumb shit. And that is one thing that uh, the internet cannot be blamed for, <laughs> because <laughs> that was true well before there were smartphones. It's just these phones and the internet have made it, has just given you so many more things to uh, waste time with. And it's not all a waste, but it is, you know, when, when compared with what you would, what you think you would rather have been doing. Right. Well, Before the internet, it was, it was comic books and watching TV. Right. Exactly. And it's, uh, there's no, you know, there's, it's, it has to do with the person. You know, I certainly know plenty of people who are what I, you know, like what I consider to be much more real artists than myself. Or just, but that, what that means in every case is that they are harder workers. You know, they, they work without somebody telling them they have to. I don't know. I've been working on a lot of my own, just sort of whipping myself into shape, I guess, sort of things. And I don't mean just from a physical aspect, but yeah, like my, my own productivity and figuring out what I want to do with my life and yeah. all of those things. And, you know, I do work from home and I have not yet once reached the point where I wish I worked in an office or with other people on a regular basis. So I'm, yeah. I'm still very, very happy working alone at home most of the time. Um, and you know, I do get out and see people when we do like conferences and talks and stuff like that. That's all fun. And I really love that stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I want to, um, I don't know. I've been working through a lot of stuff and I try different things all the time. Like last year when I, I left, um, a job last year to do my own thing again for like, it's, this is a repeat thing with me. I've done it like four times or five mm -hmm. times in my life. And, um, so this time when I, 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 quit my job and I was like, I'm going to write. I just want to write things. I don't know what, I don't have any real goal. I just know I need to write some things and I'll figure it out as I go. And, you know, and I was really, really lucky to get a couple article requests. People asked me to write articles and they pay me for them. And so that was working out great. And I still do a little bit of that, but, um, I don't know. I started doing things like, um, like sprints. I was like, I'm going to try this for 30 days. I'm going to do, uh, like, I'm going to try to eat better for 30 days. Or I'm going to try to exercise for 30 days just to form better habits or form better productivity routines, mm -hmm. I guess. And I don't know, this, this year actually, like since January, I've actually 
fallen into some things that have actually worked for me. Um, but it's taken a lot of trial and trial and trial and retrial to, yeah. to figure some things out. And I finally, like, I, I actually feel like I am putting some pieces together that feel really wonderful right now. And I love that. And I don't know, I'm just going to keep going, I guess. And things are working out. I've been using a, a couple of life hacks to get yeah. through some of this. So I found that the part of my brain that wants to go into an office so you've mentioned like trying to get like eat better for three days and, and exercise. For three days. I have gone through stints of trying to go to the gym and I can never make it stick until recently, yeah. until recently I realized that my motivation to get up and go to the gym shouldn't be, I'm trying to get in shape. It should be being around other people. So nice. now the first thing I do every day is I go to the gym and I get that feeling of like, I've been around other humans in an office environment. Right. Nice. You can check that off. <laughs> I, yeah, my, my human for fix me, for the day for me it has everything to do with the like the imposition of structure uh on your day yeah. and yeah and, exactly and the, the problem with it is they're like all structure is imposed um and so when you're just when you know there are things you obviously have to do but you know in my case currently I have a dog and there comes a time every few hours when that dog <laughs> has to go outside Yeah, um, because if, if she doesn't, then she will, you know, urinate on the floor. She wa- she never does it because she's a very good girl. But, um, I know that it is like, are you just saying that cause she's listening? No, no she's, uh, <laughs> she's she pretending, she's pretending to do other stuff. <laughs> she's just checking Twitter. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's like it's it, it, it is a um, it is a vital necessity that that has to happen. And she tells me when it has to happen. And it's something that I, I don't I don't really want to go outside, but I know that it must be done. And it's right there in front of me. And so that's that's great. I'm really grateful to her, because if it weren't for her, there would be many days where I simply would not go outside. And I suppose you could call it laziness and many people have but um, <laughs> I, I really don't I don't think of it exactly as laziness because it doesn't feel like a choice a lot of the time it feels like I can't I just can't impose this structure because there are always other things that I could do I'm in the gym I live you know, maybe six blocks away from my gym. I could easily walk there. I don't like going there for obvious reasons. I like having gone. Yeah. But um, the the being around other people aspect of going to the gym, for me, is sort of it's sort of the bummer about it. Yeah, <laughs> because I, because I, there are people there who are very good at doing their exercises and they do it all the time. And there's also the the trainer that I had, you know, three sessions with and never went back for the fourth and sort of that, that whole thing. Um, <clears throat> so I don't want to bump into her, but, um, <laughs> like an awkward relationship. <laughs> it, it's, it is a little bit like that. I mean, it, it was just like, it was already like, there was no, there was no chemistry, obviously, um, during the time when we were working together, but, but her whole thing was, you know, it was very much like, come on, you got to do like, what do you want to, you want to not be able to do that? Come on, you got to do it. And it was very like, there was no sense of, no sense of the inner 
the inner voice that where like I'm questioning every every microgram of really every experience and like well you know I'm I'm at like yeah it'd be good to like be in better physical condition and I, I know that's good but like I don't like is it really like I, I don't know if it's worth the effort to be here or like the, that <laughs> it's dumb but it is like <clears throat> it, it's a uh, I feel like I spend a lot of time just sort of thwarting myself really not consciously like I don't I, I don't feel like I'm driving you spend a lot of time talking yourself into doing the things that you're going to do anyway yes and then and then it's like well like who's talking to whom like who's in, who's in charge of this you know of this life and and if you're like having an argument with yourself about like oh i need to go outside but like oh, i really i don't know i feel like i should i don't know maybe change my clothes like that i don't know if i can go out like this you know that that kind of <laughs> stuff and then you look up and you've been doing it for like 3 or 4 hours anyway it's um what i'm saying is it's uh it's tricky. This level of thought paralysis is why the first hour of every day for me is spent laying in bed. Yeah. Staring at my phone. Yeah. Let me check Twitter one more time. <laughs> That's how I wake up as well. I, I have my little routine. I wake up and check my email and delete all the junk mail first. And then mm-hmm. um, I do this. I use Mailbox, which I love, the Mailbox app, and I do, like, send later today with the ones that I want to make sure I respond to. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, anything else just sits there, and then it's Twitter and Facebook. And, yeah, anyway, I have my little routine before I get out of bed. But the the And it is funny that that's, that is. That's the start of my day before I, I have children. And, you know, like, yeah, then it's uh, the school day morning routine, and then... Yeah, I don't know. It is funny. Um, finding the routine. It, it's funny because the health piece for me has been um, such a lower priority for the past few years. But this year, I kind of like, I was like, you know what, I'm realizing that that's affecting my mind and my energy levels and all of these other things. So I, I don't know, I just kind of moved it. I moved it up this year. I was like, I'm gonna make my health be the most important thing right now and and just see what happens with that and it's um i don't know i was like i gotta start somewhere i was once a very very healthy person and i lost that for about five six years and um i I want that maybe not back like maybe not to be who i was before but i want some of those qualities of um you know like like being an active person not so much for like how it looks it's not about the physical piece so much but how i feel mentally i feel mentally more in control and like like i am the driver here i am the you know the pilot of my destiny here that's very noble i'm i'm just doing it to meet girls (laughs) and that's good that's fair we all have our reasons and our motivations and yeah and for me it was really um getting my mental shit together i guess um yeah that was that was where it was for me it's admirable because it's not i mean because it's it isn't like the stuff you're saying it's not like it's um you know these are things that we know like yeah it's it's important to be you know like your health is important it's just you get it's possible also to get in this like you know uh, inertia of really everyday 
life and like you know time is time is passing and if you don't go and do the thing well you're still basically healthy you know a, a, a week later a month later unless of course you're not in which case you get really panicked and you know deal with it when it comes up but that sort of it's very it's just like it's addressed in all sorts of lessons that you've heard your whole life, like the the country mouse and the city mouse, and like all this stuff. It's these are these are home truths, but actually acting on it when you don't, in fact, have to, is uh, it's super admirable. I think it it does take. Um, I don't know. I guess that's that's where uh, the motivation kind of came from with me. Is like it, I do want to do more with my time. Like I have only got so much time left here on the planet i have no idea what how much that is but mm-hmm. yeah i want to you know i want to feel like i made the day count i i you know i had somebody um tell me one time that you know i work with this design this designer who actually is also the person I'm dating but um i, I work with this guy I've worked with this guy since 2008 and he's the guy i like to work with i like to spend time with this person and i had somebody say to me one time you need to work you've got like this dependency you need to work with somebody else you know what if that person were to get hit by a bus tomorrow and i said but that's that's the exact reason I want to spend every minute working with this person, you know, every minute mm-hmm. possible, because that's the person I actually enjoy being around when, whenever possible. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I can't branch out in case that person dies and, and I'll figure that out if and when it happens. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. But you're still getting work done. Oh, I'm still getting stuff done. But I mean, but yeah, you're also you're given the choice, though, right? Like to I didn't mean to derail too much on that, like who it's with, but the. You know, the who it's with is such a, a motivator for me, too, in terms yeah. of, like, this yeah, is the true. decision I'm going to make. Like, I do like to be alone. We do work alone and in separate rooms and sometimes in separate houses. But, um, you know, sometimes that is the motivating piece. It's just spending minutes with this person, even if he's just in the other room or whatever. Like, that's a motivator. I'm going to get this done so I can go watch Survivor you know, with, <laughs> yeah. with, with, with them. So one I don't know. Live. Like I do have one life to live. I do have those motivations that maybe are a little bit silly, but, um, you know, we did, we started walking 30 minutes every day after we drop off the kids at school. Like that's just a, a thing that we do now. And, um, I don't know, it's just another way to spend time together. And then we tried to, instead of sitting on our butts in front of the computer, let's try this instead and see what happens. Right. And I don't know. Trying to um, make little tiny changes that maybe um, are ones that I can get excited about and maybe get my brain going, I guess. That's that's what I've been missing with, trying to work on. Yeah. I think it's I think it's great. And I also think that's a pretty romantic vision of a, a professional life. That's my um, dream. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's very good. Um, it's, it's I always had that sort of uh, Joan Didion, John Gregory done idea you know like they would write in their little separate office in their little in their apartment which is probably not little at all probably massive and then they would like read each other's stuff and give each other notes and then have dinner together and then go to some (laughs) amazing party and then talk about each other like uh, you know i i always found that to be one of the most romantic ideas um and i there's a to a degree i have that as well i mean my wife's a musician and i 
just love her work so much. And, and, you know, when she's home and I'm home, the best times are when we're doing that kind of parallel play. Like we both have something actually that we need to do. And then we'll just kind of, you know, look over and notice each other kind of looking over. And, or even if we don't make eye contact, um, there's just, there's something very comforting and wonderful about being, in the same space together. It was just exactly. as often though, just as often though, it's like, you know, the, we live in a pretty big space, but, um, you know, it's, we can just as easily crowd each other and, and, you know, find reasons for it not to, uh, not to be perfectly harmonious. But then, um, even that is sort of part of the, part of the dynamic at times, figuring out how to, how to do it. It's really yeah. good. Um, but it, it helps to actually be doing something and not be worrying about all the things that you're not doing. <laughs> I find <laughs> my, my dream was to, uh, I, I would love to meet a musician to, yeah. to end up with a musician. Cause I, I, my best work always, and not, not necessarily musically, but my best work in general is always collaborative. When yeah. I have somebody else there to say, uh, to just sort of check my assumptions and, and to point out the things that I might not have seen. And I feel like so much of my work musically has been just me. And I, I think it's suffered for it. Yeah. So to have other people around who, who can tell me when I'm, when I'm terrible would be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's hard cause, um, that's, that's something that a lot of people don't, who are musicians don't know how to do either. Um, they don't know how to work together. Um, and it's you know it's been the it has been the bane of many a uh, many a a project. Not even I'm not even just talking about my own experience, but like people I've known, um, where they just can't quite get it together. Um, and a good thing about a band, um, even if it's just you know even if it's a band that isn't really has it even if it doesn't really have a, a big audience or anything you know it's it has the potential to be um a main it always has the potential to be a main thing because the the other people who are doing it with you are equally kind of enfranchised in it um and it's not just like you know there are these you know you asked some people to play a show with you and like you taught them the songs or whatever the the um the the equal ownership, equal investment, equal enfranchisement is so, it's just so crucial to a thing. And I mean, I think that's really true of any relationship, um, particularly if you, you know, well, in a band, if you can't, if, if no, nobody's making as much money as they wish they were, which is right. true of almost every band. It's just not, it is, it's really a, it's really a great privilege to believe in something as much as someone else believes in it at the same time. What a deep episode. My this goodness. has happened twice now, Sean, that you've been on and it gets like really deep and introspective and, and fascinating in a way that our show almost never is. Well, um, I, credit of course the kale smoothie that i've been <laughs> planning while i've been talking and looking up recipes for on the right. on my phone even as i chat with you 